Psalm 62, beginning in verse 1. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. So you understand this is a, let me stop here. This is a song. This is, Psalms are the hymn book of the church. This is written by David. Almost we can say that verses one through four are the first stanza, the first verse of this song that he's writing. So he stops there with this word Selah. That Selah means think on it. It's a musical notation. Um, And so basically he's asking you to pause, think about what has just been said. So let's, again, he's, he's talking about these people that are looking to throw him down, looking to take him off the throne. And then he says, verse five, my soul wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. Notice he said this, it's a little bit different than verse two. I shall not be moved. In verse one, he said, I shall not be greatly moved. But in verse six, he said, I shall not be moved. There is a difference and we'll get to that in a second. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once, twice have I heard him, have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. I won't read that again just because that's good. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Verse eight, first part of that verse says, trust in him at all times. The word trust simply means a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. I'll read that again. The definition of the word trust, a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of something or someone. So when we say that we are trusting in Jesus today, we are saying that we have a firm belief in the reliability, the ability, the truth, and the strength of someone. And who is that someone? Jesus. Okay, is this thing on today? When we say we trust in Jesus, we say that we have a firm belief in the reliability of Jesus. 
we have a firm belief in the truth of Jesus. Because he said, I am the truth. <laughs> we have a firm belief in the strength of Jesus. And we have a firm belief in the ability of Jesus. Has he always been reliable? Absolutely. Has he ever failed you one time? Have you found him to be strong? Have you found him to be able? In fact, my favorite, one of my favorite verses, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We have a firm belief in the reliability, the ability, the strength, the truth of someone and his name is Jesus. In 1955, our nation voted to place a motto on our currency. It wasn't enacted until 1957. But until that point, every piece of currency that is printed in the United States of America has the words, in God we trust. Amen. Now, does that, does that tell you that every American trusts in God? <laughs> no. But that, that actually was birthed from the Civil War. And it, what it was meant to be was to emphasize America's attachment to God. And so they voted in 1955, that, that's how recent it is. Started in 1957, that on every piece of currency, they were gonna say that America was fully trusting in God. Now I know our, our nation is far away from what happened, not only in the Civil War, but definitely in 1950. Just in a short amount of time, look at how our nation has changed. We have placed our trust in things way apart from God. It's still in our currency, but that doesn't mean that, we're, that we are fully trusting in God. But they put that there to inspire hope. That when someone looked at that piece of currency, they understood that America's allegiance was trusting in God. And I just want to go on record again this morning and to let you know that I put my trust in God. I put my trust in Jesus Christ. And David here in this passage of scripture was, was talking about the trust. Now, you have to understand, he was in a personal war right at this moment. This, this uh, psalm was written out of, in 2 Samuel, you'll find a story and you'll find the account of how he was running for his life from his own son. His son Absalom was coming after him, wanted to dethrone him. Actually, he had taken the seat of power. And so he wanted to not only take control of the country, but he wanted to kill his own father. And so he is running from his own son. Imagine that. And now he's in hiding. He's running away. And so he writes this song. In fact, he writes several psalms when he was going through that terrible time in his life. Some psalms are, are really of a de depressing mood. He talks about how bad he feels, but this psalm on the contrary is not a, is not a sad psalm at all. No, what he does, he stops, he, he, he stops singing and stops praying about his problem and he starts praying to his problem. <laughs> and so sometimes we have to understand when it comes to trusting, we stop praying about our situation and start praying to our situation. We tell our situation, do you know how big my God is? <laughs> do you, you don't know the one I am trusting in. And so David, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll really center in on verses five through eight this morning, but he talks about trusting and he talks about giving praises and, and how could David have a positive outlook? How could David, in what 
seemed to be a helpless and hopeless situation. How could he have praise on his heart and praise in his mouth? I'll tell you how. Because David found that it was sweet to trust in Jesus Christ. And it is sweet to trust in him this morning. Aren't you glad we have uh, an all-powerful God that we can fully rely on, that we know he's able. He is our strength. And thank God I'm so thankful today that I have someone that I can put my total trust in. You know, trust is something you just not get overnight. We always, we always kind of, we always kind of say this when we, when we perform ceremonies for people that are getting married. Zach and Maddie was the latest marriage, and good to see you all back today from your honeymoon. I know you were back last week, but good to have you back. Had a beautiful wedding, but I always tell them this: what you're having today is a wedding, but it takes years to build a marriage. And one of the most important facets of marriage is trust. That trust, even though you say, oh, I trust him. You've only been married a day. You don't know, what, you don't know nothing about him. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding there. It's a joke, you laugh, you can laugh. But over years, you learn how to trust your, your spouse. You learn how to trust your loved one. And sadly, over the years, you learn who not to trust. And trust is something that when you place that in somebody's hands and they betray you and they turn their back on you and they despitefully use you, it's something really hard to get back. Why? Because trust is something that is earned. It's not given. Can I submit to you today I found the Lord that since the age of five years old when I trusted him as my personal savior, I'll be 47 here in just a few weeks. What is today? 29 days, I'll be, I'll be 47. And I have found in those many years, it is sweet to trust in him. Why, because I've made, Tom, I probably haven't held up my end of the bargain but he's always held up his end of the bargain. I've trusted in him because I found him to be faithful. So David in these verses five through eight, give us, give us a picture of, of trusting and give us some ways that we can trust. And I want you to notice, first of all, we'll be really quick this morning. He tells us how to trust, how to trust. And you'll find this, how we trust the Lord is found in verses one and five. Verse one says, truly my soul waiteth upon God. And then verse five, again, it repeats it almost the exact same phrasing, but he says, my soul wait thou only upon God. So how do we trust? It says, we wait. That's how we trust, we wait. Now, let me tell you that, let's break it down just a little bit further. This word wait is not a term of terminology of time. Okay, when we say I'm, I'm waiting on my, on my order at McDonald's, I'm talking about time. And preferably, I want it in less than a minute, right? I mean, that's what we want. Somebody say, man, I'm busy preaching. I want hot fries. I don't want chewy fries. I mean, that's Wendy's. You can go to Wendy's if you want chewy fries, but I want hot fries. 
I'm sorry. I offended somebody. I apologize. <laughs> Whoever says that Wendy's two to one favorite over McDonald's, they're lying. They probably asked, they asked Wendy's employees that question, didn't they? Anyway, I digress. But it's waiting in this, this passage. Let's get back to the Bible. <laughs> and when it comes to waiting in this passage, it's not a matter of time. When he says, my soul waiteth upon God, it's not saying, Lord, I'm sitting here with my arms folded, looking at my watch, wondering when you're going to show up. That's not what trust is. You're not trusting on someone if you're just sitting back doing nothing. No, this word wait carries an expectation. This word wait actually means to serve. So what he's saying is, Lord, while I'm trusting in you, I'm going to wait on you. You still haven't got it yet. He says, while I'm trusting in you, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to continue working for you. I'm going to continue coming to church even though I don't have the answer. I'm going to continue to praise you even though I don't understand what's going on. I'm going to continue to give my tithes. I'm going to give, continue to give my offerings even though it's financially tough right now. I'm going to continue to praise you even though the healing hasn't come yet. Lord, while I'm waiting on the answer, I'm going to wait on you. Because sadly, we as human beings, we judge everything by time. But God doesn't act on time. God acts on trust. And so when we wait on him, wait means that there's an expectation. That means I am serving God knowing that there's an end coming to my situation. That the problem I'm going through, that the sickness I'm facing, that the financial trouble I'm facing, that the marriage trouble I'm going through. Hallelujah, I know there's an end coming to it. I just gotta continue trusting in him. Amen. Amen. He says, I'll wait on the Lord. And then he tells us not only how to trust, but he tells us why we can trust. That's found in verse six. Verse five says, my soul wait thou only upon God for my expectation, there's that word, is from him. And here's why we can trust. For he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. So he shows us how we can trust, but then he shows us why we can trust. Why can we trust in God? For he alone is my rock. He alone is my defense. He alone is my salvation. And he said, I shall not be moved. Now remember, I brought to your attention that he almost said the very same thing in verse two because he said, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. But then he said, I shall not be greatly moved in verse two. That gives us, even though he was saying, I'm pretty firm in my belief. When he said, I shall not be greatly moved, that left a window of opportunity for him to have a little bit of shakiness in his soul. But then when you get to verse five, (laughs) he reaffirmed it. He got rid of greatly and he said, you know what? 
He alone is my strength. He alone is my rock. He alone is my defense. And I'm not shaken anymore. Hallelujah. I shall not be moved. What was he saying? He was saying, I have a firm belief that he alone is the one that I can trust in. Now think about that. This is King David. This is the one that was the ruler of the children of Israel. This is the one that everybody came to him for advice. Everybody came to him for help. He was a great warrior, a great leader. And yet he said, I can't do it by my own power. I can't do it by my own authority. He said, there's one greater than me and he alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. He alone is my defense. He alone is my rock. He said, he is my strength. He alone is my salvation. He alone is my savior. He alone is my defense. He alone is my strong tower. Aren't you thankful this morning? He is your shelter. He is your strength. He is your strong tower. He is your savior. He is your supplier. He is your sustainer. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. He alone is worthy of our trust. I'm sorry. Bless her, Lord. Bless him, Lord. I must have really hit a nerve there. We got to pray for him. He alone. Says he alone. Think about that, folks. He only. There's nothing wrong with going to other sources and other sources of, of strength and hope. And, and I'm thankful that we have our church family. I'm thankful we have each other. But sometimes you're not available. Sometimes I can't pick up the phone and call people like I'd like to. That's always our first go-to, isn't it? But may I remind you, he only, he only is my strength. He only is my savior. He only is my strong tower. I got you thinking about that strong tower, meaning he is my defense. He is my fortress. Think about this. A tower sits up high and you can look down low. That's what he said. That's what David described the Lord as. He sits on high, but he looks down low. You know what that means? He sees the enemy before the enemy sees you. <laughs> he knows the enemy coming down the road before you can even see him. That's why I can place my trust in him because God knows what's going on even before I see the problem. That's why it's sweet to trust in him. It's sweet to trust in Jesus and we can, we know, not only know how we can trust him, we know why we can trust him. But then finally notice when should we trust him? When should we trust him? Verse eight, trust him at all times. Amen. Boy, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Don't have to really dig deep into that. The word all, guess what it means in the Hebrew? All. Wow, that's deep. Trust him at all times. But notice who he directed it to ye people. It went from him reaffirming his own trust to now telling his people, hey, I found him to be faithful and you can find him to be faithful. 
Trust in him at all times, ye people. Because what, what was David saying? Even though your closest friends and family turn their back on you and want to take you down, it's okay to trust him. Even though the sickness is overwhelming your body, and even though it seems like there may be no way out, woo, it's okay to trust him. <laughs> even though you got more month than you got money, it's still sweet to trust in Jesus. Even though it may seem like you're never going to find that, that job that you need to supply the needs that you have or, or, or to supply the peace inside your heart, it's still sweet to trust in Jesus. You never see how your kids and your grandkids are ever going to come to Christ. Look around you today. There's people that's prayed for years and years and years for their family to be saved. God brought them in and they're gloriously saved today. Why? Because they found that it was sweet to trust in Jesus. Amen. Trust doesn't mean that we don't care. Trust simply means, Lord, I'm giving it to you because you alone are the one that's gonna answer this. Louisa Stead, probably don't know who she is, some of you may know. Louisa Stead was born in the mid-1800s. She was saved at the age of nine years old. She was born in Dover, England. And at the age of nine years old, she was saved, and her family moved, ironically, to Cincinnati, Ohio. And they went to a tent meeting in Urbana, Ohio. And in 1971, excuse me, 1871, Louisa Stead surrendered her life to the mission field. She became ill after she surrendered her life to that calling. And she was unable to go to the mission field. She wanted to go to Africa and she was unable to go uh, right at that time. And during this time in 1875 she married she got married and they both were going to devote their life to the mission field once her health became better they went over to Africa and started to work on the mission field her health got got bad and so they had to move back to America by this time they had a child her name was Lily. Lily was, uh, at the age of four, the family decided to get away on a, on a little time apart, on a little vacation. So they, they went to Long Island, New York, and went out to the, to the beach area to spend some time together. So it was Louisa, Lily, and her husband. And while they were there vacationing, they heard some screams coming from the ocean. And there was a young boy that was drowning. And quickly to his feet, Louise's husband ran out into the middle of the ocean at, to where that boy was at trying to save him. And as many times as it happened, the boy was fighting so hard and he was such in a panic that it caused not only him to drown, but also Louise's husband to drown as well. 
trying to save his life. And the whole time on the beach, here's Lily and Louisa looking at their husband and their dad losing his life trying to save somebody else's. And so through that tragedy, through her sickness, didn't understand why God would choose to do this and allow this to happen. But one day through the power of the Holy Spirit, she sat down and God gave her some words. And those words were simply this, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. All for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I've learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Louisa married again. They went back over to Africa, over to Zimbabwe. She lived her life on the mission field in Zimbabwe and Around 1917, she passed. But by this time, Lily, her daughter, got the same passion as her mother. And Lily stayed on the mission field in Africa, winning people to Jesus until her death. And they say you can still go over to that area of Zimbabwe, current Zimbabwe, where she ministered. And you'll hear that tune in that African language and all those many years later, they're still singing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him more and more. Out of tragedy, out of insecurity, out of horrific circumstances, Louisa found the ability to trust in someone that she had a firm reliability on. And so today, you've placed your trust in all things. It's time to put your trust in him. Because you know what? It's still sweet to trust in Jesus. Yeah.